You're listening to Personal Rejection Letter, a podcast by writers with day jobs. like it's been a long long time since we last talked yeah you said you would be gone 30 seconds but it was 45 seconds i think it was more like two minutes so our our rock star uh sound engineer is walking out right now carrying a guitar is that badass or what that's exactly the kind of engineer you want i'll tell you what that's why this podcast resonates with the kids so closely yeah the rock and roll yeah resonates it reverbs with them Right. It distorts with them. We did all our small talk the last episode, so I just want to ask you a quick question, Kelly. All right. Do you ever do you ever write a short story? Yeah, I have. <laughs> do you ever do you ever do you ever write do you ever write like a shopping list or like write a poem or just write something short and then wish you could like expand it and kind of like maybe make something a little bit more oh I don't know a little bit more weighty a little bit more substantive. Do you ever have that feeling? The feeling of wanting to add a bunch of filler to a small thing so that it could make me feel better about myself? Yeah, all the time. Well, that is, of course, how you start. Like The idea is like, well, I've got this short story, and if I just moved the end sentence further away from the opening sentence, maybe I could turn it into a novel. But before you answer that question, you hear that sound? (laughs) Well, I do hear that sound, but... Guess what happened in the last episode that I listened to? You crumbled up your own notes. No. no I don't we know did two revision segments on the Frankenstein episode. Oh. You haven't yes. listened to it, have you? There's one at the beginning and one in the middle. Well, the first one was just saying that we were revising this whole episode. I think I am owed a revision segment, so I am gonna, I'm going to cash out my revision this time because I'm owed okay. one and, but you can save yours. You can bank it whenever you want. That seems, I told you in the last episode that I met kind of a rule person. Yeah. And I think this is a one revision per episode is the rule. And um, I'm not going to give two man. Well, you're, you're saying because you're one up and I did in that episode, I suggested that we don't do one and you wrote me back saying that would upset me. And I thought you were kidding, but now that I realize you're not, you like the rules. <laughs> I do have a revision. It's okay. been bothering me all week. Remember last week when we were talking about Bob Dylan? Uh, yeah. I sort of vaguely remember that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were talking about what the use for the prize was, and we were discussing, I think it came up where we were saying, like, do does the prize usually go to an unknown person or a known person? Are they shining light on a person that most people don't know, or are they trying to reward somebody who is already popular? So I thought, like, I would just look at the, um, let's say, the last – Six or seven winners. All right. See what you think. Svetlana Alexevich. Huge. Huge. Mainly big in Japan, but okay, sorry. (laughs) Big in Philadelphia, like the band, the guy that you went to the bathroom with. Districts. Districts. Uh, 2014, it was Patrick Modiano. Hold on, I'm going to put on my glasses. Yeah, it's an eye. No, yeah, Modiano. For the art of memory with which he has evoked the most ungraspable human destinies and uncovered the life world of the occupation. I don't even understand that. Occupation, man. 
That's all, that's all that you need to know about that. It's about the okay. occupation of France. 2013, 2013, Kelly Daniels, Alice Monroe. I've heard of her. They just wrote Master of the Contemporary Short Story, which I think she is. I think that's correct. Absolutely. That's a well-deserved one. Yes. Canadian. Yeah, which is almost like being an American. The other ones are foreigners, which I think I don't... It's hard for me to imagine them deserving the, the award not being Americans or sort of American. But right. eh, maybe I'm biased. I don't Are know. Do you think Dylan is sort of an American because he's a rootless cosmopolitan? Uh, he is an American. He's a Minnesotan who pretends not to be a Minnesotan. My favorite kind of Minnesotan is the one that is self-loathing and hates that he's a Minnesotan. <laughs> Mo Yan won it in 12, 2012. Who, with hallucinatory realism, merges folktales, history, and the contemporary? The last one I'll tell you is 2011's Thomas Trans Tromer. He actually was the guy who came up with the Transformer series, the cartoons. Yeah. And they that, gave him a, the movies. Mm hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Named him after himself. Those and are then actually, 2010 good. is uh, Mario Vargas Losa. Yeah. Who I've heard, but I have to, I've never read anything by him, I have to admit. Correct. Me too. That's my status. Um, I did read one uh, Nobel Prize winner um, who I never would have read otherwise, a Icelandic author named Haldor Laxness. Haldor Laxness? Yeah, I love the name. Haldor Laxness. And the novel is called Independent People. Um, somehow that title just got me. I don't know why. Um, it's pretty basic, but it, it just seemed to be kind of um, bursting with kind of, um, I don't know. Um, was okay. it good? Yeah, it was Did great. It? it was great. It was about these sheep farmers in rural Iceland. And, uh, you know, and it was kind of a Gabriel Garcia Marquez of, but really in cold weather, um, in a way. <laughs> That sounds good. It was. It is I mean, good. I recommend it. As in cold weather. I'm, I'm scrolling through the list. I don't see it. He must have been. An I think guy. it was maybe even like 1950 or something like that. I mean, it's been like, I think it is a real old book. Yeah. About down here in the 50s and 40s, I'm seeing a lot of umlauts and stuff and names. So, well, Kelly, let's talk about today's topic. Okay. Let's talk about it. The expanding, what we're really talking about. And I, let me just give a, a shout out to a friend of the podcast and listener and and author of a review, A.J. Wilson, 82. Is that right? <laughs> I don't think 82 is part of his name. but you know. Or her name. Or his name. Yes, yeah. it is. It's AJ, Mr. A.J. Wilson, who got a copy of my book for um, Married But Looking. Living is that how you signed it? A.J. Wilson, I, 82? I did. Wrote, yes, I wrote for A.J. Wilson, 82. I thought that'd be cute. <laughs> it's sort of cute. And I thanked him for listening and signed my name and put my date. And then, you know, I did not do that thing that David Foster Wallace popularized of putting a hash mark through the printed name. You ever seen people do that? Do you do that? A hash mark? Like they put a, they cross out the name that's in typeface that's in the book and then they sign yeah, their name. I, I was told that T.S. Eliot started doing that. Okay, could be. Um, and it was because, no, not the printed name. You're not, you're too good for that. You get the sign. Right. It was taking the place of the printed name. Right. That's the idea behind it. But you didn't do that, huh? I did not do it. Oh, let's do an episode. It may be a really short episode, but an episode on <laughs> the art of signing your book to oh, that'd people be great. at various 
the different kinds of signings that you need to do and the different yeah. kind of challenges to them and the people that you know really well, like ex-lovers, how, what do you sign, what, how do you sign that book? And then strangers who you want to impress, strangers you don't want to impress, that kind of thing. I think it's a great topic. Yeah. But quick anecdote is I once signed a book. I was at a, like at a school and somebody had ordered my book on Amazon, a used copy. And she asked me to sign it. She's like, well, you've already signed it for somebody else, but would you mind signing it? And I was like, no, no, let me, can I go ahead and see who it was signed for originally? Because what she doesn't know is that I basically know everybody I've ever signed my book to. Ouch. So I looked at it. I, I looked. And it there was your was, wife. It wasn't my wife. It was, but it was pretty, <laughs> I knew pretty well who had sold my book back to Amazon. It was all right, though. I don't mind. Sure you don't. Didn't bother <laughs> you at all. <laughs> you you pretty much forgot it until just this moment. It's just funny that it came back. A.J. Wilson, 82, wrote recently a letter from A.J. Wilson, 82, said, um, let's say you're a short story writer and you want to write a novel do you or or you write nonfiction articles and you want to do a full length book. How do you make the switch? And we thought that was a great topic. And I myself had just gone through this because for the last five years I've been working on a novel. And prior to that, I had only written short stories, although I had thought I had written novels in the past. But this experience showed me that, in fact, I had not written novels. I had just written really long, baggy, short stories that had a lot of extra words in them. What about you, Kelly? And I'm going to talk about some specifics later on in a humorous way. But what about you? Have you have you attempted this to sort of lengthen something? Um, I'm not sure if I understood AJ's question to be about lengthening a story into, I think it's just more like, I know how right. to write stories now. Now I want to write a novel because I know right. a novel is what's going to get the agent that's going to get me into a New York publishing house. Well, um, I don't know if it's that commercial, that sort of... Or whatever, yeah. I want to... Is it is a novel a, just a really long story? My... I would say it takes a very different, different skill set. Um, yes. There's a lot of overlap between them. Um, but the... A book length, what I would advise against is approaching the novel the same way that you, but most people approach a story, which is just on a hunch or in an image, and then you just start just going for it, and then you sort of, after 20 pages, you see what you've got. Right. Um, and you don't, if, if you don't have more of a map from, you know, I'm not going to say an outline from beginning to end at all, but I think you need to think bigger from the beginning. And and at regular intervals, you really need to pay attention to the the, the common metaphor is architecture. And if you just ignore that, the way that a lot of people write stories, the way I've written I've written stories, just I have this little idea, I write the story. My first novel attempt was I just had an idea of a place and I wrote a story about it. And then I just had to write another story after that because I didn't know what to do after my first story. Yeah. And then I kept inventing new characters to go in this place because I get I didn't know what to. And it just became just a bunch of disparate little stories that didn't really work as a story collection. Didn't work as a novel. And I what I learned from it is I should have thought long term from the very beginning. I should have mapped it out a little bit more. It, it and it almost seems like an obvious thing, but. When you write short stories, there's that sort of ambition that you have to be a novelist. Or at least that's what that's how it happened for me. I just wanted to write a novel. Yeah. And when I had what I thought was my idea, this was going to happen X, Y, and Z. It was going to start here and end here. My thought was that I'll just add different little 
anecdotes and different sections between what I knew the beginning to be to what I knew the end was going to be. And just until it became novel length, until it was 300 pages, and it just did not work. And what ended up happening, and again, it seems obvious, but it took, you know, I'm a slow learner. The, the thing that I thought was the end of the novel ended up being just the end of the first chapter. And what you have to do is it's got to move. And then yeah. you have to keep changing the situation. So even though you might like where the characters have ended up and where you've put them, you don't want it to be static. So now something else has to happen. And it's that's very different from what a short story, what you do when you sit down to write a short story for the workshop, for example. Raymond Chandler said that um, whenever he gets stuck, he just has a guy walk into a room carrying a gun. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. but you need a new guy or at least a new room regularly. And um, yeah, my, my um, just speaking of nonfiction, um, my memoir, writing that, the, the achievement of it for me, like by then I felt pretty confident that I could write scenes and I could write individual pieces that, that were okay. And I could have moments happen. And I thought I was okay with language. I wasn't, I was no like great stylist, but I was a functional and, and maybe anyway, uh, I was great. I was a great writer in every way sure. is what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. Oh, um, it, but the achievement was making it was the form was the architecture of it because it's a father son story in which the father is absent through 98% of the story. That's like, that's the point. Right. So how do you write a story that, and also it's a story that spanned, 30 years or 20 years or something like that. It's very hard to kind of span 20 years in a, in a story. Usually like all those books that you saw my year, not doing this or that, right. My year, not holding my piss in or whatever. Um, no impact, man. Yeah. It's always a year because a year is even Walden was a year. He actually stayed at Walden for two years, but he, he shortened it to one year to make it more narratively. Um, yeah. So, so how do you do that? I had to just really figure out a plot. I had to map it out and really kind of, and what I, I had to do is make up a cause and effect for each chapter had to cause the next chapter. Yeah. And that and it all had to come to a satisfying resolution in a really, you know, in a 250, 300 page way, which is just a very, it's a lot of moving parts. You forget about certain parts of your book while you're working on other parts. Um, it's tricky. And I, have, I think, yeah, I have a log, I'm sorry. I have a log that's at this point now, 45 pages of just sort of like little notes that I kept to myself as I was moving forward in this thing, because there's, there is a lot of moving parts, as you say. Yeah. We could even bring back that, the discussion with Joe Bonomo about the, uh, um, the software, the novel writing software. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that stuff has been invented to help to assist the, you know, the meta, view of your book and to figure out where all the different plot arcs are going and the character arcs and the different relationships. Um, you know, and, and that it didn't work for me just because it, it was more trouble than it was worth, but you do need to keep track of that, that stuff. And so I guess, um, I would also say that there's a writer, Michael Martoni, who did I pronounce his name right? Martone? Martoni. Yeah, Martone. I've always heard, but I'm um, he's like one of my favorite Facebook friends. He's just, he's got Facebook down. He comes across so charming and plugs his work without really seeming to plug it. It's all very natural. And I stupidly and just lazily haven't read any of his work, but I hear he's a great short story writer. Um, 
And I saw on one of his Facebook things that he he was an up and coming writer, and he he went to the McDowell Colony, and he was going to write a novel. He never finished the novel, or at least never published it, and he never published a novel in his life, as far as I know, because he's a story writer, and he has made a great career of being a story writer. Now that's kept him out of the New York Times bestseller list, probably, but he's doing just fine. You know, he's right. you know, and um, I would say that Tobias Wolf is a much better story writer than a than a um, longer form writer. I'd say Stuart Dybeck is is more is better at the short form than longer, and that's okay. You don't have to be good at both. Um, that's true, and and I but I have to say that I really like reading novels more than I like reading short stories. So the desire to write a novel, I think, came from that. Yeah. Um, no, I do too, and and I think I'm just I'm I think I'm better. To me, it's like puzzle putting together puzzles and stuff. Um, writing a novel and that actually quite appeals to me it's the actual sitting there writing scenes is is one kind of really intense observation and concentration but then the pulling back from it and thinking about it from a a distance is very satisfying to me too in a very different way so the 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 approach is different i i had i i had spent maybe the first six or seven months writing it in first person and then i decided it needed to be in third person so I went back and rewrote the whole thing. That took me about a year and a half, like all told, you know, the whole thing put together. And then, you know, it's obviously it's not just changing the pronoun either. You have to, there's a whole different You didn't thing. just do a find and replace. <laughs> you have to communicate different ideas. There's different things that the... Also, you know, every I in the whole, like the letter I all throughout your thing right. would, would be replaced with um, he, right? Right. And of course, it's said in Alaska. So instead of igloo, it'd be like he glue. And it yeah. would be, this would have been horrible. But but by the time I got to the end of where I had rewritten the whole thing, I decided I had to go back to the first person again. But I couldn't use the original draft because the novel had changed so much in the rewriting from first to third. I mean, the, the whole thing was different. So I had to rewrite it again, this time in first person. That was a great experience, although it was painful at the time because it felt very time consuming. But the whole texture of the novel changed from that. And I don't think you can do that. In, a, in Well, in a short story, you would just end up with two different pieces of work. So I don't know. I guess I would just say to uh, anybody who's thinking, don't underestimate how different the two um, are. And don't think or like really take pains to get into a different mindset and be prepared to learn a whole new form and don't be impatient when you're not immediately getting it right. Um, so I, I think it's interesting because I think um, sometimes short story writers get, get hot with their short stories and then they get a, a novel deal at a New York publishing house and they'll get a big advance without having written the novel based on their short story. And I think it's just certain people in the business side of, of the writing thing don't quite understand how different those skill sets are and that a good short story collection does not automatically mean that there's a great novel just inevitably coming as the next book. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's very true. And, and they're really two different impulses too, both reading them and writing them. Yeah. Um, I, I, the other thing I would do and uh, that I do is really notice how the novels that you like or the, the long you know, essay, you know, book length essays or whatever it is that the long forms that you like pay a lot of attention and why it's working. 
Um, and uh, of course, that's obvious. Uh, any writer knows that they read for enjoyment, but also to see the tricks of the trade. Um, but sometimes the best writers hide the plot points in a way, or hide the structure or the form beautifully. And I think that's the real key to um, the otherwise really inscrutable success of our one of our favorite writers to talk about, um, Carl Uwe Knausgaard. Those books are inexplicable. They're not the the writing on the sentence level isn't beautiful. Um, the subject matter seems kind of boring, on uh, you know at least just the, the way you describe it. And yet the the novels are incredibly hard to put down, um, if you're even going to call them a novel or novels. But he has these novelist tricks throughout. He sets up little like form is everything to him. If you hear him talk on on interviews, or even if you just read the book, he talks about the form, even as he's writing the form right. in a way. Yeah, he does. And he um, talks about the writing of it. Uh, his, his first book, the first half of the first book, um, My Struggle, is about adolescence, and it's about being a teenager who wants to kiss girls and steal beer and get drunk, which is a tired conversation i mean it's tired subject matter and it it really could be tedious and yet it's pretty darn interesting and and i i couldn't figure out why i was still reading at some point so i started paying extra attention i'm like oh he he sets up these little things that are going to happen in the future in such subtle ways that you keep reading because you've got to get to that point where you find out the thing that he set up you know what i mean and yeah. by that, by the time you get to the resolution of that, he's also set up another one. For example, um, there's a big party coming up in in a month, and he needs to. He wants to score a. He's going to crash it. He didn't get an invitation, but he has his plan to crash it. But he needs to get a ride out there where it is. He doesn't have a car, and he needs to bring beer. And he's not old enough to buy beer. So how's he going to do that? Well. The narrative goes away from that, and he does all this other stuff for 30 or 40 pages, but you keep thinking the party's getting nearer and nearer, and finally, you get to the party day, and it, and it goes through its thing, and then by the time the resolution of the party happens, another he's, he's planted another one of those little seeds, and he does it through the whole book, um, and yet they're all such minor little things that you don't notice them but yet you somehow keep reading just because you have to know. So it's the oldest trick in the book. It's withholding information so that the reader has to find out what's going to happen, and it's creating suspense by delaying telling what, what is going to happen, that, that, like setting up and then paying off is, is what he does, and then delaying in between. It's kind of like sex there, Dan, don't you think? And I, not the way I do it, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> It sounds like uh, what you're saying is that the reader should uh, – the writer should use suspense. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, it's, <laughs> cut that out. I didn't know you were kidding, but I thought, yeah, I think that is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, yeah. I well, guess it's just there's there's a limited amount. There's a lot of different ways to make a plot, and even those books that don't seem to have plots have plots. And well, in know, fact, some of the best books don't seem to have plots because the plot is so ingeniously sneaky. Right. Think about another writer that we always talk about, Portis. You know, what, what are, those plots are so paper thin 
Yeah. You barely even notice him. I mean, Flannery O'Connor reminds me of that too, but she's a short screenwriter, but, um, you know, uh, she has more plot in those short stories than she, than Portis has in his whole novels, for example, that similar characters sometimes. Well, yes and no. In uh, dog of the South, the first line is, you know, Norma his, Jean. Yeah, his his wife, my wife and Guy Dupree ran off together and stole my Grand Torino and my and my um, American Express card and and right. I'm I'm waiting I'm here waiting for the bills to come in so I can map their progress and so he's it's basically the oldest plot in the book or one of the oldest plots possible which is um, missing person I'm going to chase him down you know it's a detective plot. Right. And the whole thing is him chasing after them. And the joke is that it's inev it's like inept. And he brings a gun. You're supposed to when you have a gun, the gun is supposed to go off, like Chekhov says. Um there's a gun on the mantle in the first right. act, the gun it has to shoot go off in the third. Um he brings a gun, he makes this big deal about bringing a gun, and then at one of the border crossings he'd completely forgotten about it and the border guy finds it and then just like wags his finger at him like naughty boy and then just keeps the gun and that's it that's the end of the fate of the gun and you never hear about it again it's beautiful yeah. how he undercuts his own plot and that's what's so part of the fun uh and yet that is a plot isn't it like the deliberate Absolutely. undercutting of a plot is a plot yeah and um i guess uh, uh, we we've said a bunch of things but i think something that we kind of glossed over quickly is that give it time that the the amount of time that it it takes weeks to write a short story, so you got to multiply that. The experience is totally different writing a novel, and be patient. If you had told me that I'd still be working on it five years later, I would have said, "Well, forget it. I'm not going to do it." But at this point, I've got five years into it. What am I going to do? But it really does take a long time to just to figure out what you're doing, just to figure out how you're going to keep the flow of it. The if Disney I, model from one page to the next. If I had it to do over again and I could go back in time and, you know, write my first novel again, the first time I would actually certainly consider and maybe just kind of completely do, buy a, one of the cheese, just follow a formula. Like get buy one of those how to write a novel books and follow it completely. Like just may you know kind of cut and paste almost not and it may not be a good book but you'll learn the real basic way to do it and then you can and then once you internalize that you can start riffing on that um whereas uh if you're just kind of figuring it out if you're rebuilding it yourself you're kind of rebuilding rome is that a cliche out there um, i don't think so i've never heard it before rebuilding Rebuild. rome Building Rome? You don't need to build, rebuild Rome again or something, right? It's already mm -hmm. built. Okay. You don't need to reinvent how to write a novel, certainly your first the, time. The wheel, I think. Is that what you're thinking of? Reinvent the wheel? Rome wasn't built in a day. That's true. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. Those are the two. Rome was built they, in a long time, and mm -hmm. the wheel was invented was, once. And then again, in different times. Um, it, it was improved upon at various times. Oh, you're talking about what Surly's done with the lightweight uh, steel? Yeah. That's, so I believe that there were cultures that had square wheels. <laughs> and that they, it, you know, there was problems with it. They're but, not around anymore, yeah. Yeah, they, <laughs> they mysteriously vanished. They also didn't believe in um, intercourse of any kind. 
Um, and they I mysteriously vanished after one generation. Weird. Yeah. Strange. Right. One of the uh, mysteries. Did we cover this topic, do you think? I think that it, in as much as it can be covered in 40 minutes, I think any more they're going to have to pay to go to our symposiums, you know, and, and yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Other than yeah. That, but yeah, but, you know, send us your questions. If we miss something, we, I'd love to, you know, this was, this was inspired by a, by a, a question that, and so if we didn't yep. miss something, please send so it. So basically to, uh, what you're saying is that uh, we take, we're just like cheap lounge singers. We take uh, requests. Any requests? Yeah. 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 As Any long as you. Put that dollar in the tip jar, you know, tip we'll jar, play yeah. uh, Piano Man for you. Sure. No problem. Kelly, what are you, uh, what are you reading? What are you writing? What are you, how's the teaching going, doing? Well, I should tell you right now mm -hmm. that I just forgot to write down this part on my notes. I just didn't get to it. But I'm completely able to be spontaneous. I'm just like a regular spontaneous guy. You know okay. that. Um, and so I'm reading 2666, baby. Oh, I love that book. I got sick of reading short books that were over in a week and, and mostly dissatisfying lately. Yeah. And um, old ones, new ones, the short novels weren't working. And so I thought, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to dive into something that's going to take me a long time to read. Is that your first Bolano? No, I read a short story collection i talked about it on this podcast how wonderful the short story collection was um called something like something about the end last days on earth i think it was oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. that was awesome um but i'm digging it i've read the first it's in five parts as you probably know and the first one's about the critics mm -hmm. of that writer that that elusive writer they're all looking for yep archimboldi um mm -hmm. and uh i just it was odd it was strange, and yet it's very Bologna. I've read enough of him to where he he recognized his vision, and um, I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm still kind of it's a, early. It's but. a ter terrific book, and the, the the section that you know takes place in Mexico is just haunting. Yeah, I imagine. Well, it, our, the, I'm in the second section now, and it it partly takes place in Mexico, where it's the guy that's going insane. His wife left. And, um, oh, yeah, yeah. and he has his daughter and he's living, he's a professor out in the Sonora desert and some, yeah. you know, out well, of the way the, the stuff that, that concerns itself with the murder, the actual murders that took place. Yeah. I, hear, I keep uh, hearing about that part. I hear that's tough, but, and, um, uh, the other thing is that he's got that novel, the savage detectives, which yeah. is just basically another section of this. I mean, you could just, it seems pretty like, um, you know, random that it's not part of it or that these are five thing I and mean, they could all it could be six different novels but they're all basically about the same thing so yeah you got some reading ahead of you i do and i like that i feel like i'm stocked up how yeah. about you what you've been doing i i'm still reading the wap shot chronicle i hadn't gotten much further since since our last uh since last week but you know uh, you've used that joke before dan it's a good one though you think you could use it every week <laughs> you know it's a knee slapper um the, the writing, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but I've been working on this novel for about four or five years. Yes. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm, it, I started out when I finished it the first time, it was 540 pages. Good friend of mine who was a writer <laughs> offered to read it. And then when I told him how long it was, he said, he said, no, but if I did read it, I would tell you to cut a hundred pages out of it. <laughs> that sounds like not a very good friend. No, he's kind of a jerk. He's a little, <laughs> but he's, but he was right. He was right. He's a good guy. He's a handsome man. That's more uh, important than being a good man. Yeah. 
you were right. And I did cut um, 140 pages out of it. So it ended up being 400 pages. And that's the one that I tried to sell. And I just, after about a year, I, I have to say it, it didn't happen. So I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm back in it and I'm trying to cut another, you know, 80 pages out of it. I'm, I think the, I think the problem is the length. I'm assuming that I miss that. That's, that's the hope that the whole thing isn't horrible, that it's just a little bit too long. So I'm, I'm, I'm rewriting it. Good Mark for you, I, man. Folks. Yeah. I'm back in it again. Yeah. Yeah. You took a little break. Sort of like, um, you know, it's like a marriage and you, you had a separation but you're not ready for the divorce. And so you're going to get, you're going to try it again. And, um, you know, maybe there was some cheating, some, maybe there was some hard, some hurt, but people, you can get over it. And, uh, anyway, that metaphor just doesn't really work all that well. How it works. The, 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 I think the thing that's helping me now is that enough time has passed that I'm not in love with, uh, most of it anymore so i can cut it and not feel bad whereas in the past i'd be like well i can't lose this chapter because this sentence is so beautiful but now i'm losing the whole chapter yeah well this was fun kelly it always is fun dan and hey let me just say um i think i think it's very brave of you to get back into that novel and it's the kind of bravery that we all need every single day as writers because (laughs) that's kind of how it is it's your it's as act of faith to put this work in that that it's going to be worth something and it eventually i think it pays off and maybe not every single piece we write but um but the overall attempt is gratifying and makes well, for a good life and so i'm glad um, you said that yeah i mean it already i i was talking to molly about this that i i'm glad i did it it was a really great experience and i it's very it, it could well end up that nothing comes of it but Working on something for this length of time has been satisfying in its own weird way. Well, I hope it gets put, picked up by a huge publishing house and you get a million-dollar deal and you in, convince the publisher that he needs to publish my work too or you're mm-hmm. not going to sign the deal. And this podcast will become a huge thing that makes – and so anyway, I think for be, totally just, not selfish reasons that this really yeah. works for you. The podcast will just be us complaining about airline service and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> first class. Like, you call that first class? Jesus. This canopy is cold. <laughs> a canopy? I don't even know what a canopy is. I almost I was never feel like it should be a canap. This canape is cold. <laughs> All right, Kelly. Thank hey, you very, very good talking to you. Advice. Are hey. you going to go see Gabe's band in Battle of the Bands? Um, am I allowed to say no? I think I am allowed to say no. <laughs> Um, I, I can't, I can't, I would love to see Gabe rocking out on stage and, um, and support him, but, um, I got a you know, family and stuff like that. I hear you. You're not a sophomore in college. I'm not. Truly All right. Enough. All right. See you later, Gabe, man. We'll see you. Yep. Bye, now. Bye everybody. Special thanks to Augustana College and WOG Student Radio. Gabe Tucker is our audio engineer, and Sub-Atlantic provides the theme music. You can reach Dan and Kelly on Facebook. We always welcome comments, critiques, suggestions, and especially praise. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you like what you hear, do a podcast a solid and leave a review on iTunes. See you next time.